Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Did you know you can advertise on podcasts? Don't act like you're not impressed. Find out more at podvertise.com.au. That's podvertise with an s.com.au. Shandoyle, thanks for coming on, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. It's uh, first episode back for the year. Pretty, pretty pumped. So um, I've been excited to have you on for a few weeks. I've been speaking to a couple of mates to try to get you on. So glad to get you here. Um, I did want to start the convo, though, with like grand final, mm. just come off winning the NRL, <laughs> big party period and into retirement. Like It's been a big few months for you. It has. It has. How's it all feeling? Well, I, t- I can tell you right now, we certainly partied. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed myself. I was actually stoked for the new year because it was a bit of a new year, new me moment. Yeah. Um, got a few things I'm doing, signed up for a boxing fight. So amazing. It's been a weird transition. I'm back into preseason, the one thing I was trying to escape. But yeah. Uh, yeah, mate, what an experience. Like winning the premiership, being a part of that um, in such a weird time. Like it was so in house, the whole experience, because we we're in a bubble. Um, really only friends and families and staff were around us the whole grand final. It was probably one of the most unique, but one of the most special and asking other boys who'd been there already, they agreed because there was no media. There was no external noise. It was just the boys getting around each other, experiencing the whole moment. You remember everything. You felt everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we enjoyed a a beer or a thousand. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I I do want to dabble into (laughs) that, but like, so what was the hub like for you? How long were you away from where were you predominantly based? So I think when it first happened, we had a little break, probably six weeks off. Um, like everyone, we were just doing our own thing around Melbourne. And then we ended up going to Albury because we had to get out of Melbourne. So we could, okay, we can go to New South Wales. So we went there. We stayed in a hotel. Bus came in, took us to training. It was like so serious. You know what I mean? Um, and then we were allowed to come back. Then all of a sudden, bang, Melbourne kicked off again. And yeah. we got to go to Sydney. Uh, I just moved into a new apartment like a week before. Shit. And then they were like, we've got to go. So you pack your bags. You thought you were going for a week, two weeks. Then we're moving to the Sunshine Coast. And you kind of like, I don't mind it. Like, I'll, I'll adapt. And that was sort of our theme. Yeah. Went to the sunny coast. And we're like, oh, you know, it's not too bad. <laughs> now we're in Queensland. We could do what we want for a good, like, month, six weeks. So it was mad. We were living in the resort. We could go to cafes, cruise around, do whatever. And you're always a little bit grateful. So it was fine. And then we went into lockdown for probably three to four months. Yeah. Again, not challenging compared to what our friends and family in Melbourne were experiencing. Main thing was the sun was shining every day. So you got up and there was just a good vibe and you had a lot of purpose because you had football. So, mate, it wasn't all bad. I think we shared the hub with like two or three AFL teams. But for us, geez, we just got so close as a group and we were able to just focus just all in on the footy and the results sort of showed. Did, did that, do you reckon that kind of environment helped you like being mm, in a culture definitely. like storm where where it's already positive as it is mm. but moving into something where you have to be closer and more tight-knit do you reckon that propelled you 100 percent. and i mean people have started to allude to like that's why we won the premiership like that's ridiculous but yeah. it definitely had a huge impact on it was just tunnel vision for us like all we did was focus internally on what we're doing um, we really had no external noise which we may be used to yeah i remember telling someone on the grand final week in particular um 
Now, for Penrith, they're a rookie team, hadn't been to a grand final in a long time. None, yeah. most, most of the players in the team hadn't. But for us, it was just like, it was just another game. Yeah. I think 15 people turned up to our grand final open training event. There was no hype. Boys weren't, and it's not a negative thing, but the boys weren't like, oh my God, we're going to the grand final. It was like, we're going to win and we're just going to get the job done. Yeah. And you could see that in the first minute. Before you knew it, we were up 20-0 and it was just like, that was the difference I felt. I was about to say, there's been a few people that have said this that I've like heard talk about the grand final, but definitely when I watched it, like when Storm ran out, mm. it was just like very relaxed, like mm. business focused. Yeah. Where Penrith came out, it was like, let's fucking go. Yeah, and you it's know? like, oh, we're at a grand final, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you could kind of sense yeah. that there was like... I guess that feeling and expectation that Storm knew what they had to do mm. to get there, which was, yeah, the first the first half was unbelievable. Yeah, mate, like it was clinical. It was clinical. <laughs> like, it was almost so clinical that it was like the second half was like, you know, a bit up in the air and there was mm. so much breathing space, you mm. knew you were going to win. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, yeah, speaking of that, so then you obviously won that, which was a pretty special moment and a lot of documentations come out of like the change room, which was fucking sick. Like mm. we finally got insight into yeah. how teams celebrate and like the Storm Boys just embraced it, mm. like drinking, beers, posting videos. I think you did like an Instagram live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we don't see that shit as fans. So that mm. was pretty cool. Like that must have been a bit of a special experience in there. Yeah, it was. And it's, it's funny because it is, you've got to walk that fine line of, you know, like you're trying not to contradict everything we're about at the storm, but slowly, slowly everything's evolving from bloody Craig Bellamy down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He now gets it. He gets that like videoing things is great to utilize later on. And he's a little bit more down to earth and everyone understands that the boys have personalities. The boys have personas. Um, and everyone wants to see that, you know, give insight, yeah. show what we're all about. And, you know, there was a lot of probably American sport influence, yeah. but you know, going live goggles. in the change rooms, the ski goggles, <laughs> the champagne, like it was epic. And I, um, I sort of took that upon myself. Obviously I didn't get an opportunity to play, but I was like, boys were so keen. To, and I just, I knew we were going to win. You know, I made, Premiership vintage T-shirts, which caused a bit of a caused a bit of <laughs> yeah prerequisite. You did that caused, before. Yeah, I did. I did. I paid for <laughs> yeah. that, and you know, I just I, I was going to do it anyway. But yeah, I was confident. I love that. It caused a bit of backlash with um, a couple of licensees who had the rights to the <laughs> and everyone's wearing it. But mate, just what an awesome time! And as you would have seen in the change rooms, like boys just celebrating with each other and the playing group. And I just remember one moment, you know, and it's it's different but people understand cameron smith in ski goggles just spraying champagne yeah i know if he's embracing it then like why can't anyone else that's you know what I mean. and everyone and going against what's potentially known as that australian culture where we sort of try and chip those things down but yeah. everyone wants that inside everyone wants a larrikin we got some of the best in our team cameron munster brandon smith yeah just embracing them and letting players be themselves and letting everyone celebrate and have a good time, sort of trying to flip the culture. And I think it's making waves a lot amongst the boys. They're trying to, they're trying to put themselves out there. And ultimately, if the fans embrace that stuff, it's going to come back to them. Hundred percent, you know, tenfold. Hundred percent. That's why I actually think American sports so good with their mm. entertainment and like their like the UFC and uh, the NBA, like the back the behind the scenes sort of footage you get mm. makes you connect to the athletes and stuff 100%. so much more. Um, and there was also that, I mean, the champ cheese video that went yeah. viral, like that was like, that stuff wouldn't happen if you didn't so open, open it up. Right? Oh, I so, remember filming, I remember filming that just going, oh, this is going to be so Yeah, cool. and, and it blew, it blew up. up. And then the boys wanted cigars and all the boys were on the cigars. It was just like <laughs> so funny. And then mate, I went to Byron with, um, Brandon and like, it was crazy. Was he it? was like, he's the biggest thing in the NRL. I he's still right up there, but it was just chaos chaos and just the champ cheesy yeah how many how many days were you there for 
So we went there after the grand final for like six, seven days. Oh, worse for Man, it was full on. <laughs> yeah. And then I actually just like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm going. I booked myself an Airbnb by myself for three days. I just need to shut it down. <laughs> yeah, body went into shutdown, mate. <laughs> I told everyone I was leaving. I was just like, nah, I just need to shut it down. Uh, Airbnb in the bush and just relax. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. <laughs> um, I guess for, because I'll get to some of the stuff you're doing right now, because mm. it's, you mentioned, and we spoke the other day on the phone, you're like, you haven't slowed down at all since you've retired, no. or effectively retired, but just being a player on the outside of the grand final, like, and I catch you just already, is like, mm. you're probably a pretty good teammate to have who puts the team first, which is not always easy as an athlete when yeah. big moments are there, because you mm. obviously want to fucking play, mm. and you want to be a part of it, and you're probably aware it's your last year, and you're like, this mm. is a big moment. Yeah. So how do you kind of separate, or how did you feel you separated like your own selfish needs to like, fuck, this is awesome and just still embrace it as mm. best you could. It's a running battle. Uh, it's a credit to myself and my self-awareness, but also the culture I'm a part of. Mm. Um, you know, I went there with some big goals and some big aspirations when I first went to the storm. And that year before I came back uh, in 2017, like I can't tell you how hard I worked to just turn up to preseason in good nick. And yeah. It was unbelievable the way I rocked up. The first two weeks, I was taking the piss, and then to do my ACL in the yeah. preseason is just cruel, you know. Yeah, it's harsh, right? But um, so it kind of it kind of knocked me back, but I still had the confidence that I can contribute to the team, and was able to do that the next year and play in a semi final. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I understood that I was going there for sort of different reasons. There's plenty of other NRL teams that maybe weren't going as well or didn't have the players ahead of me that I could have gone to, but. I wanted to be a part of that culture and I knew that if I had one last chance to see how good I was going to be, it was at the storm and I can't, I don't even know how to put it into words. What I learned, what I experienced and the values that are now instilled in me and the things that I can take into business and yeah. relationships and networking, you can't, it's priceless. So that year for the premiership, Suliasi Vulivanu, Josh Adokar, two of the, in my opinion, best wingers in the game. Yes, I mean you got to understand where you're at, yeah. understand the reality of the situation. And look, I want to play and I'm training my ass off, uh, but you start to have different priorities and goals. It's like, okay, how can I continue to better myself in my own time and my extras? And then how can I continue to challenge the other boys so they're killing it and humming? Mm. And then ultimately you just start to accept and the hub would have helped this and our success would have helped this, but you start to go, all right, look, it's we just want to win as a team yeah this is my role exactly and that's yeah. a big thing at the storm know your role on your role and it's just so well driven in that you just embrace it you buy into it and that year that's exactly what i focused on and then the closer we got to the season i understand my role in the team yeah and you just embrace that if an opportunity comes up you've got to stay ready you've got to be making sure you're doing everything you possibly can but if i can prepare what ultimately they're, they're like my brothers my best friends if i can prepare them as best as possible we get to enjoy that moment at the end yeah. then I'm, I'm satisfied so it's not easy it comes with its challenges because as you said like hey i, I want to play i yeah, want to be a course, part of this right? and you're sitting there like fuck but at what outweighs it is you know your best mate you see get to right. experience and that moment and see the smile on his face you've got to take some satisfaction out on that and ultimately just focus on that yeah the brotherhood yeah. and i think i look i think that's a very mature view it's probably you're probably more of a tenured player, at least experienced and understand the rigors of the game to mm. comprehend at that point of your career. Like I can effectively do this role. Whereas if it was 18 or 19 year old yeah, said, well, no, you probably been head button walls, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> dragging heels a little bit, 100%. which a lot of young boys could probably relate to. So I think it's a pretty cool way to be. Um, 
obviously since retirement and coming off the booze of Byron, you've mm. jumped into a boxing fight yeah. and you've got a whole bunch of other businesses and things that you've started in lockdown. Mm. So your world's moving pretty quick right now. Like, Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it definitely is. I mean, I tried to, the you know, with the footy, everyone always asked me, it was a bit of a rip the band-aid moment because it's never easy when physically you're capable of playing. Mm. Why didn't you go to this team? Why didn't you stay at the storm? Why didn't you do this and that? But I made the decision based on, I'm only 31, but... I just wanted to dedicate that next chunk of my 30s to really chasing something that's, you know, I've got a lot of aspirations outside sport and awesome. I know that's not always common mm. and I'm probably pretty lucky to have those passions in different areas, but that's something that I applied myself and focused on the things that I was interested in and made sure I had an open mind during my sporting career, mm. granted missing four or five years yeah. out of sport. Do you, do you think, and we'll touch on obviously that, but do you think that period out has given you that perspective more yeah, so? Yeah, I always had, I was always thinking, like always had that little bit of a entrepreneurial mindset. Like I was always thinking, how can I do this? How can I do that? How can I leverage off my situation? But yeah. then that really forced me yeah. into, okay, you got to do something. And I'm not overly educated. It's just that I have some ideas, understand what I believe is how to talk to people, customer service and, and relationships. Yeah. And then just dove into business, just did it. You know, yeah. I just, just got to do it. And yeah, I was yeah. really passionate. And that came through in my conversations, my customer service, the way I, you know, my, my timelines around getting shit done. And then ultimately I've had some success in business. Really not off the back of knowing too much. It's yeah. really off the back of that. And then that's just snowballed. And I'm lucky that the things I seem to be passionate in, I sort of sponge. So that's awesome. It's pretty cool. But yeah, I definitely think that forced me to take the leap and yep. really get involved in some stuff. But um, yeah, that's, that's it. Footy's all encompassing, you know, being a professional athlete. So the opportunity to chase some stuff outside of that, I'm super excited about. So that's, that's what awesome, I need man. to tell people. It's like, I'm not, I'm really excited about the next chapter. It's not something that's like a burden or holding me back. Yeah. I mean, like physically you've walked in here and could barely fit in the door. So you could probably <laughs> fucking run, run through a couple more seasons if you wanted to. Yes. But just when I mentioned before about like your life's pretty busy and hectic right now. So you've mm. got like three little businesses you're running. Uh, you've got like a, obviously your fitness stuff that you do, I think an F45 franchise yeah. and an e-commerce business with your vintage tees. And then mm. you, you're mentioning before um, off air, the sort of basketball sort of vintage cards or, or NBA cards that you're doing as well. Yeah. So it's like you're managing a few things, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. You know, there's some bigger picture stuff I want to do in the fitness space. Um, that'll become more prominent as the year goes on. That's super exciting. Yeah. Um, potentially having a big role in launching something in Australia and then taking it overseas is my ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, you know, landing in the States and then, yeah, the e-commerce stuff is really cool. Like you always, if you're on the outside, you're like, you know that it's a bit of financial freedom if you can nail this. Like, this 100%. is what you want. I want to be anywhere when be I want, mobile. doing yeah. what I want. That's the key. But it comes with some work, but it just you just got to understand the game. Yeah. And going through quarantine, it started with the sports cards. Uh, a couple of us got involved. Gary V sort of pushed me into it, really. I'm like, investment, sports cards, making money, bing, 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 I'm in. <laughs> and then um, I like NBA, got a few of the boys in. And then basically what we were doing is, through way of influence, we were blowing up other people's pages and, and break sites and businesses. And when I was like, I know how to start a business, I said to the boys, mate, let's just do this ourselves. Yeah. So we did it. We kicked it off, started the company, just started doing it and literally learnt as we went. Yeah. There's no perfect moment. Just get it done, have a crack. And these e-commerce models for me, now I feel like I've got a bit of a template. 
nail some influence. You got four footy players, beauty, off yep. to a great start. Yeah, perfect. So you can do whatever you want. Which which footy players are in Ryan this? Ryan Pappenhausen, yep. Kenny Bromwich, and Jerome Hughes. Oh, so you're storm teammates. Yeah. 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 So Lovely, like yeah, great you know, group. It's going to be it's all big gonna followers, be sweet. all exactly. superstars, right? <laughs> exactly, it's always going to be sweet. And then content and marketing, mate. We just do real cool content. We make noise, and you pretty much can put everything on that pillar of content and marketing. I believe, like, I honestly feel like I could sell spoons and make it. Yeah, hundred cool. percent. Get a little bit of an influence position. And then couple that with good content marketing. And now I'm trying to understand the paid advertising game and trying to bring that all together. And yeah, when did the same thing with vintage mode, just made some noise. Um, so is this one of the top? Yeah, this now? is one of them. That's just a little champ cheese top. This is a little sample one that we did, but um, <laughs> it blew up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just good fun. Like, you know, it's the business model is amazing. There's no, we don't hold any stock. It's low output, yeah. low startup, but really we just do cool content. We do stuff on trend and we just keep the hype and it's so fun, but I'm really, if I could clone myself, there's so many things I want to do. Yeah, but... I know. Right. <laughs> I'm a bit like that. It's funny, right? Because I was always like, when I finished sport and a bit like you probably like what you felt were your best years of sport, you didn't really follow i mean yours were obviously taken away from you a bit mm. different to mine but in saying that when i look back now i'm like fuck a lot of the fundamental traits of the athlete has actually really helped for the business side yes like that hustle mm. that positivity the people aspect i mean the amount of freaking hard conversations you had as an athlete with mm. coaches and media and everything is like nothing you'll probably have to mm. some business conversation because yeah that was much harder yeah and I think I think it really prepares you. So mm. it's pretty cool to hear that side of I your story. I talk about that all the time, actually. Like, yeah. Because the conversation is a lot about. It's always like quite a negative worry about like what's a, what are you going to do after football? And I was like, it's just like just relax a little bit, calm down, like find something you are actually passionate about. 100%. But understand that either in the corporate world or as an employee, like you've just come from playing professional sport. Like you're, you're an competitive asset. as fuck. Hundred percent. You're driven. You apply yourself to structure and routine, like you're respectful. You've got all these unbelievable values and traits that any employer would die to have. So right. just just relax and yeah. understand that some of the values that you have that you can apply to any job are going to be well sought after. And I think I think more businesses are starting to conform to that to mm. be realised. Actually, it's more people orientated. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean, rather than the the uni degree. Mm. Uh, and that's not to discredit universities, no. but. Um, so one of the, the other area that obviously that's that's got you to this point is the NRL aspect and the rugby career. And mm. you played, and I, I want to go back all the way back to when you started playing rugby league because yes. you played rugby quite young, mm. I think, as a kid back in Sydney. So can you talk us through a bit of the childhood journey of what got you interested in sport and how that yeah, progressed? Yeah. And my ma- so I've got a single mum, but she definitely doubles as the um, the mum and dad. Yeah. So she's that she's Shout a crazy out. dad. Yeah, <laughs> she's a crazy dad in movies. But she's my mum. Love that. Yeah. So I started playing when I was three years old, which is pretty young, and she was my first coach for the first couple of years of the team, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. You know, still to this day, I think she loves the sport more than I do. But That's um, awesome. Yeah. She's she's a hard worker, hard woman, but um, I definitely took on a couple of those traits, which really helped me throughout my life. But mm. um. Yeah, just always had a love for sport, played everything. We lived in Sydney. Melbourne, I feel, is bar living out in the suburbs. I'm 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 being pretty condensed. I live in the city, but yeah. um Sydney's quite open. Like if you live in the city, the inner suburbs, the eastern suburbs, everything's quite open. So we never had a car, so it was public transport. Right. So it's pretty crazy. Like we'd I'd be up playing sport every day, just going all over the all over this, you know, city and just all around Sydney and mum would take me everywhere. So 
pretty nuts to think about it. And I guess I developed a bit of street smarts and awareness pretty early. Like we lived in Woolloomooloo. It's a pretty rough area back in the day um, in housing commission. And this story always just, I really just, it, it just personifies everything. Like I was seven years old walking to King's Cross Station, catching a bus, train, bus, yep. just to go to school in like year two. You're kidding. And I do that every day by myself. But, so like, that doesn't <laughs> seem like, it seems normal. But now I think about that and I'm like, Oh, Can you imagine eight? some seven-year-old like doing that? You'd be like, "What?" The yeah, f- dude, you, you want to lift? Man? Like, that's not... be, it would be so weird. But um, yeah, that's just that's sort of laid the platform. But yeah, just love sport. Um, did everything I could. Boxing was a, a big passion around twelve years old. Mum got me into that. She was really passionate about me doing that. Did that for a couple of years. And even in those years, that was like me getting up at five, me traveling out to Campbelltown to go to school, which is you know a two-hour journey. Coming home, boxing walking up the road mum would meet me at the hill at nine o'clock grab my backpack i'd go inside and then i'd do it all again but so it was just built off like her influence a love for sport and then me just doing my best but it was good it was was good fun yeah that's pretty pretty epic and shout out to your mum mate (laughs) that's all the single mums out there that's that's awesome um so yeah we touched on obviously you got a fight coming up and then this comes back to where i'm like well you're probably not too far into the ring because you did box quite a bit as a kid mm. so and and I, I think i've heard you say before that that was like a real passion of yours too mm. so what sort of point did that become a bit clearer to you that like actually league or, or footy i should say is is what i want to play and pursue more than boxing i was just in love with the sport you know i was so i was a big roosters fan um it's really what i put all majority of my time into and then around 13 you start to make, there's some teams that you start to make and I'm involved in those and there's just a bit of a pathway where you're like, I'm no, I'm not, by no means the most talented kid and being recruited left, right and the other, but I was, just had a really deep-rooted self-belief that, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna make it and sort That's of awesome. that drove me the whole way through. Um, again, you make a couple of teams along the way. It's a little bit different to the experience. It's probably more aligned with soccer than AFL Yeah. Um, because you just keep chipping away through the age groups and then you get to a point where you're at school, it's semi-serious, there's an under-20s comp and then it's like you get you contracted. Yeah, so that's sort not. of the pathway. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I just, I just chipped away, had my ups and downs, but always just built everything on being the hardest worker in the room and no matter how many times I got told or had the speech that, you know, none of you guys are probably going to make it, I was just like, it's not going to be me. That's that, awesome. That's only internal. It's just my self-belief. But And where that came from, I don't know, but it's always been a real um, strong point that I've been able to utilise. Have you always had that, like that inner confidence? Yeah. Because I think that's a hard tool to have as a kid. Like, Yeah, and you get knocked down, don't get me wrong. All like, the time. That gets challenged. But, yeah, I just always was like, nah. And and. To be honest, actually, I, I enjoyed that. I, t- I liked that. It actually fueled me. Like, tell me I can't. Yeah. Actually, please do that, you know? So yeah. tell me I can't do something or tell me I'm not going to make it because that's <laughs> just going to make me want to work harder or spur me on. So, yeah, um, yeah. I think just being being immersed in those environments full of adversity and setbacks from such a young age, you just, it's a mental muscle and you just start to build this resilience and you're like, sweet, bring it on. And yeah. you have that competitive drive towards everything rather than letting something knock you back and head down and, and being a bit, I suppose, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just putting you in a position where you're like, oh, I'm not keen or it, it um, knocks your confidence around. Yeah. I sort of utilized it and was like, I'll show you. Yeah, that's good. You went, mm. you went the right way with yeah. it, which is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, like, it's a f- not. A few people have to go the wrong way to understand mm. actually, no, nah, there's two parts here as mm. opposed to just negative kind of thinking. Um, so as you kind of progress through the footy ranks as a, as a junior and, and the high school sort of 
which is relatively competitive uh, competitive across yeah. New South Wales. When did you kind of start to get wind? Obviously, you had this inner belief, I'm going to play NRL, but when did you start to get wind that the Roosters um, were kind of keen on you and that sort of was mm. going to become a, a pathway for you to get your first NRL? Well, I went through the whole system. So you go like 13s team, 14 team, 16s, 18s, blah, blah, blah. At 16, I made the team. Now, the 18s team, some guys are playing that for two years. You so know, is this like the Roosters kind yeah, of Yeah, Roosters, like, like Harold Matthews system. SG Ball, that's what it's called. Right. So if you make the SG Ball under-18s and under-17s, you're a bit of a big dog. Um, at school one day, I was 17, I tore my ACL. So that was quite a weird experience. Um, doesn't have the same ramifications that it does now because I was like, didn't really know what it entailed. But um, did my ACL, was out at Campbelltown, sort of limped home, caught the train, bus train. I was like, fuck, this is good. You walked home. Like... Yeah, yeah. Just, just <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And then mum, credit to mum, she took me to the best surgeon at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, worked her magic, maybe maybe a little bit of tears and got me over the line, got, yeah. got the yeah. Medicare and got it sorted, <laughs> but got the surgery. And I went to a private school at the time and they sent me all my homework after like six to eight weeks. Oh, and I was just like, no, I'm not doing this. Like It was literally ridiculous. And she was like, all right, you can have the year off school. Maybe we'll get a bit of a job, go to the gym. She took me to a dietitian, just like all the boxes and 69 kilo kid who was sort of playing footy with a big heart. Come back the next year, you know, I'd limp up on my crutches, go to the gym, train, just fully as like get involved in that environment, yeah. eating, crazy diet, wow. and come back the next year at eighty three kilos and I was just a different player. So wow. that was my first like big roller coaster wave where it was like going so well, one of the biggest adversities I'd faced in my life related to sport, and then all of a sudden it turned out to put me on a path where it was one of the best things that had ever happened. And that, unfortunately, there's been a lot of those ups and downs. It would have been nice if it was a bit of a straighter path, but you go through that once, twice, three times, and the next time it happens, you're like, I'm going to be good here. Yeah, I got this. Grip my teeth, put my head down, have a good attitude, get through this, and there's going to be something around the corner. So yeah, yeah. It's one of those double-edged swords where you're like, I don't want to put myself in these positions where things fucking go wrong or I get injured or... I make a mistake or I fail, but ultimately, the more I put myself in these positions, the more lessons I get, the more I improve, the better person I become, and Correct. it's just growth. But yeah, you gotta you gotta put yourself out there, and you gotta just understand and embrace that good things come off the back of it. Yeah, definitely. If you can get through it, so just that sort of cycle around failure and adversity. If you can embrace it, the earlier you can embrace it, hey, you sets definitely you, up for life. you definitely could have a business of like public speaking, literally talking <laughs> about going to adversity. Because we'll go through your journey, but that's a pretty amazing story in itself. Because if you think about it, you were seventeen at the time. Did your ACL? Mm. You've said no to school, and you've pretty much gone decided, and with your mother's support, I'm going to the house of pain to get mm. myself back. Diet, yeah. fucking gym, and every day. You're probably doing some part-time work. So you live mm. in like a man's life to try and get a pro contract mm. or get to that point. And then not long after that, you would have been 17, 18. Yeah. You, you would have made your NRL debut. So like it's pretty close to... Yeah. So I went back to school the next year, uh, different school, Matraville Sports High School, which is basically like South, uh, Souths and Roosters, just this like little super team. But so funny, like going to a sports high school after going to like a private college. Wow. Yeah. I like, remember rocking up. We used to wear blazers, high socks. If I had my shirt untucked, lunchtime detention. Detention, yeah. Like I never had a lunchtime yeah, for like hair, three everything. months. Oh, oh, mate. Yeah. I rocked up first day, 
a couple of little lads are sitting in the front of the class. It's 30 degree shirts off. Just going, miss, we're not putting our shirts on. I was like, where, wow. where am I? Yeah. Never did homework, never did an assignment. This probably makes the school sound bad. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it was awesome. It was a sports high school. We had like rugby league periods during school. It was yeah. unbelievable. But, um, for, for the growth in terms of sport, crazy. But, yeah. um, yeah, I went back, did 11, year 11, finished, and then went into a professional environment with a contract worth nothing, you know, five grand. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was the That'd it was be the illegal now, surely. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Absolutely illegal. It would definitely would be. But so that, what, that what year is this? What, that was, um, so 2007 finished school. 2008 was my first experience in um, top squad environment. Okay. And then you made your debut, was it 08 or 09? 09. 09. Yeah. So you were a Reese's fan growing up, weren't you? Yeah, so it was that pretty must cool. must have been pretty surreal, like pretty making cool. your like, debut for them. Freddie Fitler, uh, he's a New South Wales coach. He was the Roosters yep. coach then. Didn't have the best coaching career with the Roosters, but... For him to give me my debut, it's That's like cool. you, it's it's great to do these podcasts because you sort of start to think back, and, and you just in it. hindsight, yeah, because you 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 like um you dismiss all this stuff. Yeah, you know man. I mean? so you're in a Ferrari to through think life, back and you're like, Fuck, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because you know I mean? <laughs> like, he's like he's probably one. Of, he's in a Hall of Famer, like yeah. of, of NRL, and he's the one going. Yeah, this kid's good and he's enough. Like my, I was like, he's my childhood hero. You know what I mean? So yeah. when you lay all that out, you're like, you got to take you a pinch second. Yourself, right? Like, yeah, I said this in my. I did a little post about my retirement. I was like, how lucky am I that you this one goal in life you set, like your dream come true goal, and you achieve it, like. People don't experience no. that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mate. Like very lucky to and then when we talk about debut from my childhood hero with the club I love, like, come on, man. And, and you did something like that when you think about it and touch wood, but in like the first twenty percent of your lifetime. Mm. So it's like imagine what you can do for the rest of it. Very like cool. you've done a yeah. major achievement. Mm. Um and obviously you played a few games at the Roosters. Um, and this was kind of the beginning of like highs and lows for you in some mm. regards because you've you've gone to your boyhood club, you've got an opportunity. It's like I'm a fucking first grade player, no. and then um, an incident on a night out. It's kind mm. of like which has led to obviously clearly being a false allegation. Mm. You've actually lost a contract. Yeah, crazy. And, and it's crazy. like what the fuck, like you know, so that must have been a pretty like you would have been eighteen, nineteen, nineteen. Pretty crazy experience, like. Debut, you go out, you have a few drinks, probably carrying on, fair play. <laughs> but, <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, but was it? Yeah, the circumstances were pretty unique. Wasn't my fault, but um, you know, in, in hindsight, the old any publicity is good publicity isn't yeah. always true. Yeah, hundred percent. In this respect, allegations <laughs> of hitting a woman is not ideal. Yeah, that's so, not good. Yeah, that incident ended up being squashed, but there was a bit of damage done, to be honest. Like, I ended up getting to still play, but the powers of be of the club just weren't keen. And like you said, wow, what a shock. Like, I'm 19. I've just played first grade. I'm thinking, sweet, how good. Yeah. Like, I'm set up now for a bit. Um, and then it's like, oh, we, we don't have a contract for you. And I was like, wow, yeah. fuck, man. That's an experience that not many people can say they went through. And it probably takes to get to this age and have this perspective, but to go, fuck, that's cool. Like to and be in that also, position and get there mad. It also shows you like when you put your head down, mm. results come. Like mm. if you stay humble and focused, despite shitty things happening, mm. like and good things still come. Of the... That's the first, like one of the first or second or third yeah. that you experience at that age. And as you said, you've been through a few of those now that, give you that perspective that mm. anything in life you can probably get through and put yep. your, you know, get your teeth and stuff. So how long were you at the Panthers for? Was it a couple of years? So yeah, I was there. Um, by the end of that year, my shoulders were like ruined. And I remember going to the doctor again, this would never happen in these days. So I remember going to the doctor, had the um, scans and he was like, you need a double shoulder reconstruction. I was like, I'm not doing that. Mm. Like I just, I'm just killing it. I've just like come off the best period of footy. So I was kind of like, 
right, I made a plan. I was, I was just like, I'll do the preseason. Had a mad preseason, and I was like, I'll go out, play, kill it, get a new contract, and then if I need the surgery, I'll get the surgery. So I had a mad preseason, started going well in the trials, and then my shoulders were just busted. Like, could not tackle, could not push people away. And I was just like, oh, no, this is getting obvious. Got dropped, come back in, got dropped, come back in. And I was like, by about just before mid-season, I was like, I'm going to need to get this done. Like, I'm just yeah. going to have to cop it. Yeah. They gave me another, like, little kiddies contract just to be like, we want to keep you, but you're injured. And yeah. then double shoulder reconstruction, bro, was so heavy. Yeah, six weeks apart. Jesus. It's, it's a... Horrible experience. So you are practically just like couldn't move. Yeah, it was rubbish. Yeah. Like, And it just changed my whole body as well. Like at 18, 19, I'd put a lot of work in in the gym and I was a big power athlete. And then six months, no weights. I looked like 12 years old. <laughs> like, it was so bad. Yeah. It sucked. And then just set me back, man. New coach the next year. First impressions count. Didn't really get a chance to do that. And then randomly got a call. Canberra is one of the clubs I tried to get to previously when I was trying to get to Penrith so that I was right. probably on their radar Okay, and a player ex-player that I'd played with said Fernsey's keen to get you to Canberra and I was like mate I'm keen like I'm, I can't be in this environment anymore it's toxic I just need to change and yeah. then before the the June 30 deadline went over on the Monday or the Tuesday um, staying in a motel in Canberra and they were like well, we're going to play you this Saturday. I was like, holy shit. Wait, so what's the the, the, de- the deadline? Has the season started by Yeah, the yeah, season started, but by June 30, um, there's a trade deadline. So you can go to another club before June 30. So we're at about just past midway of the season. Right. So I've okay. gone over there. We're coming 13th. Um, they're struggling a bit with the outside backs. I come in, strike off a partnership and friendship with my inside center, Blake yeah. Ferguson. Yeah. And Big we player. just go on this run. And just took the piss and we're just having the best time. Because yeah, you again, were flying there. Oh, mate. The played Raiders. the best footy of our life. We went from 13 to 6, made the major semi-final. We scored like 30 tries in 15 games. Jesus. It was the best. Jesus, man. So cool. So fun. What you... Um, I actually experience. think I was at the... That's where I first came across your name because I think I was living in the AIS residence. When yeah, you were right. So, um, yeah, that Canberra... I mean, the Raiders were an electric kind of franchise oh, at the time. So fun. We yeah. were young, you know? Yeah, yeah, young. It's like a lot... I don't know why. A lot of players that were quite young, like there was like Josh Dugan. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other players' names that, that passed my mind that were there. Yeah, Joel Thompson. Joel Thompson was there. What was the winger's name? He's, he's in the WWE now. Oh, yeah, Daniel Vito. Vito was yeah, there. He, he, was was there. The... He, he just left before I come. Edric Lee. Um, Anthony Milford was there. Had some good forwards, Josh Papali, all these guys. Jared Croker. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah, very cool. What I was leading to there was obviously the Raiders experience was a positive one. Electric young group. You probably feel like you're starting to come up mm. in your career and have these awesome moments on the field. And then you're starting to get whispers of things that happened. I think you were at Penrith then. Um, that obviously led and came out in the media and led to that four years suspension and that so speak to us what the hell that was like yeah. for you whilst you at the Raiders how that came out what that felt like pretty crazy bro like in 2011 um during my injury Stephen Dank it, it's kind of easy to talk to people in Melbourne because they understand because of Essendon and that so yeah, it's like it's a nice true. little segue but yeah 2011 he was a performance staff at the Penrith Panthers and then basically he was doing some stuff around hypoxic work and blood work. And we knew that he'd worked at Cronulla and um, I think like Gold Coast Sons and Manly. So he had a bit of a reputation, a bit of credibility. And they were like, I think he can help you out with um, your injury or whatever. So sat down with him, seemed pretty sweet. He'd done all our blood work and stuff, explained to me about peptides, which no one knew at the time. 
amino acids and all the rest of it. And I was, I was pretty sweet, pretty confident with it. Um, went through the process and the one conversation that people highlight was that like, oh, why didn't you go through the club or through the doctor? And I guess any athlete in the setting would be able to attribute that. I guess our doctors and our medical side of the club are pretty straight up and down. Mm. So although the question I was asked a million times, is this illegal? Is this sweet? Um, and I got the answers that I needed. I guess it was just about like, hey, we're pushing the envelope. We're trying to get the best performance we can. Um, so I felt comfortable. I went to a doctor that was offsite. The club yeah. paid for it. So everything, all the boxes were ticked for me. I checked it on the Asada website. I got tested during the time and nothing happened. So yeah, naive maybe, but I felt pretty comfortable with the whole experience. Did I achieve much? Not really. Um, and then that was it over a couple of month period that ended. And then I started the new year and went to Canberra. And then two years later, um, sitting so this there happened two years before, yeah, two years later, bro. And it's not from a test or anything like that because it wasn't a banned substance. So it's very unique circumstances. Very strange. I'm sitting there after one of the trials and on the media comes up. It's like darkest day in Australian sport, this like government presentation. And then I see Stephen Dank and I'm like, what the fuck? Uh -oh. Like, what that do you mean? Me Called my manager straight away. I was like, George, um, I know this guy. This is why. And he's like, oh shit. <laughs> and it was just like, just spiraled out of control. And it, there was layers to it. So like when it first come out, it was like, I'm not involved in this. Everyone separate themselves. Then a little bit more information would come out. And it's like, these clubs could be involved. Then it was like these players. Then it was me. And this is all happening while I'm playing during the season. So it was like tiered. Like yeah. Almost like this, this has happened, then Dank, then some plays, then clubs. Yes. And then your name. Yeah. So it wasn't like in one hit. Nah, nah, nah. So information Jeez, was drip fed. Oh, mate. Like getting the end result and the backlash and all the rest of it was tough, but nothing compared to going through the experience of like, couldn't tell anyone so rocking up to training and i'm a pretty knockabout bloke but like what's wrong with you why aren't you being yourself or trying to play a game and then getting to the point where your name's out and just getting hammered every game yeah by the end of it i was just it was a relief i was like end it i'm over it like that was the way harder than ex the experience at the end of it so this is what amazed me about this because the club sent you there so they funded that sort of engagement with Stephen dang yeah i mean ultimately the club didn't send me to like they didn't, I sort of did it, but yeah, it, this, he was, he was contracted by the club. Like he was brought right. in by oh, the, so club. It was the club. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like I went and seeked him. He was. No, no, that's club. what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, was, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And we know for a fact that whatever he did with me, he did at these other clubs. Yeah. So it's like, why am I to think yeah. I'm the, I'm doing something wrong? Yeah. So weird. Because there was an element of your suspension around, obviously, some of the supplements and stuff that you he was giving you or taking. But then there was this element, which I, I hate this word because it's so not it, but trafficking. Yeah, crazy. And it's like, I've heard you speak about what that was it's in madness. terms. And it was literally, you just like took it from yeah. A to B with no knowledge or no awareness of mm. like anything around it. There was no mm. monetary, there was no advance to your life mm. or anything, mm. but they still... Throwing the word trafficking. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh and it's one. It's the one thing that will still frustrate me and haunt me to this day because, A, the definition of the word and term is not supposed to try and make an example out of someone in my situation. Correct. And, B, it's just it's bullshit. Like, to be handed down a four-year suspension off the back of the reality of the situation, it's not fair. So yeah. It's a hard pill to swallow. I've obviously gotten over it, but... yeah. 
Mm, what a crazy experience. I just hope that, that no one else has to experience that ever again. I, I generally don't think that would happen now. I mean, obviously, that's come out over time that those sort of drugs, like they're not even like performance-enhancing mm. drugs and stuff mm. like that. Like mm. a pet oh, I, It'd be so sake. different. <laughs> I'd just go crazy on social media and just be like... Yeah. Sweet, yeah. let's do it. I'll, I'll tell everyone everything that's going on and yeah. let's let them dictate how you're going to handle this. But back in the day, it was never never before seen. Yeah. Never before done. And it was, it's crazy. It's not like the court of law innocent yeah. until proven guilty. No. It's you're guilty and then it's like beyond reasonable doubt and it's all this other shit. And you can't even really fight for yourself. There's no real, like the court of appeals is a joke. It's not even a face-to-face and you just, I dumped a heap of money and a heap of time into what was ultimately a waste. Mm. And I get it. It's black and white for them. They've got a tough job to try and keep sport clean, but there was something bigger at play, whether it was a political or I yeah. think considering the carry on about the whole topic and the subject, I think something had to happen and, um, you know, scapegoat maybe for lack of a better word, but tough experience it's really unfortunate, especially the length of time, but hard to take it back because yeah. ultimately what it led to for myself and my situation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was almost like when you think back to that time, not that they tried to make an example of, of like you in that situation, but one, yeah, as I said before, I don't think that would happen now, that consequence, but then obviously there was all these other clubs involved. And you, you were pretty good at that time, like even mm. after it, like you really came out of the media and just freaking open and honest, like mm. you had nothing to hide because in your eyes, you did nothing wrong. Mm. Like you copped the consequences, mm. which I think people obviously then sort of started to shift their opinion of you and what happened. Mm. But then I think one of the other things that was interesting was like Cronulla were in the same boat mm. and the consequences they copped were like mm. very different. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, man. Like... I mean, with the Cronulla thing, I was sympathetic to their situation because I was also under the belief that, well, who's who's at fault here? And I put the blame on Stephen Dank. Um, with a full team like Cronulla being given and administered something that they believe was fine, they were just taking on this supplement program from, again, someone that they thought had credibility. Yeah. Not their fault. So yeah. I'm not looking to make judgment on them. I actually... There's a few key people there who it would have been nice if they handled it better and maybe came out and shared the same opinion. Um, it would have helped everyone. But ultimately, I was happy with the low suspension they got, but it really didn't reflect well on my situation. It was quite disappointing. Yeah. So you've obviously copped the treatment of four years. Heartbreaking because you're probably, mm. fair to say, you're entering your peak of your powers and yeah. you're ready to unleash. What the hell did you do in those four years? Yeah, like you said, it's one of those things I will look back on and I'll be like, fuck, what could I have achieved with footy? But at the end of the day, that's what the perspective it gives you. Like footy's not the be all and end all. And that's not to discredit it at all. Like I love rugby league. I love what it's given me. I'm really passionate about the sport and everything involved, but it's not the be all and end all. Like I've traveled the world, which is probably the best thing that you can do in life. It's the greatest teacher. You want to talk about perspective, that's that's the greatest tool you can ever have. And mate, go to any other country and what is rugby league? It's insignificant. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It, it Ultimately, it just doesn't define who I am. That's it. Mm. The sport, love it. Everything it brings, great. But it doesn't have to define me, nor does it have to define any other player. So yeah. I was able to break out of that bubble. And that was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. It's so liberating, eh? It is. It is. And um, again, it's, it's not a knock to the sport or anyone who's involved with it. It's about understanding that you're not defined by the sport that you've chosen to play professionally. So once I broke out of that and that persona and was able to release the ego and insecurities that were around that, 
I could just be myself and was able to develop my own personality and relationships based on who I am and not all I knew from a young age. So I jumped, jumped out of that and met a lot of people who also didn't give a shit about rugby league and from all different walks of life. Cause when you're in that bubble, you're hanging around the same people, talking to the same people. So really open-minded conversations, went to Thailand. Um, I'd been there before on a bit of a fitness holiday. So it just seemed like the perfect place to get away. Went there and um, that was the, the, the business journey sort of started and mate, yeah. I was living on an Island in a scooter, like driving a scooter and just having the time of my life. That's eff- so how long were you based in Thailand for? Ended up being three years. Wow. Yeah, really cool though. Like that island life, although you need to hop in and out of it, but I had two cafes, a gym, so didn't pay to work out, didn't do my washing or cleaning, lived in this epic all-polished concrete jungle house with a tree through the (laughs) middle with a mate, didn't have to cook my food, rode a scooter, had like, you know, 20 pieces of clothing max because what are you going to wear? You barely wear clothing, lived five minutes from the beach and it was just like, what a life. And a great port of travel, you know, Australia's hard to travel. Yeah. I was going here, there, and everywhere. So, mate, unbelievable experience. And being involved in business sort of set me up for the future. So, as I touched on, in hindsight, shit experience from a football perspective, but how could you take all that back given where I ended up at the end of the three or four years? Yeah, because you probably, people ask you now, would you change it? And Mm. it may sound crazy to some people, but you might say you wouldn't. You have to say no. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Because you wouldn't be as strong and as... Mm well-traveled and well-prepared for mm. what's ahead. Without. And you got to embrace that. Like, that's a little recent tattoo I got, um, a more fighty. I won't do it justice giving the explanation. I really need to nail it and lock it down. But <laughs> yeah. it's just about embracing whatever happens and knowing that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But don't just embrace it. Like, love it. Understand that, like, fuck, this has happened for a reason. What's next? Come out, come, come out of it with a positive attitude and um, set the next target, set the next goal. So I kind of just applied that i guess yeah and it's worked for me and i really i really love that perspective i think you can apply that to anything yeah because it's hard to do it justice how crazy the media was at that time when this saga happened like you can sit here and talk about it but like so mental i I can only imagine putting myself in your shoes and it wouldn't even do it justice but like how difficult that would have been Mm. and like making makes complete sense why the fuck you wouldn't want to sit around sydney or Mm. melbourne for the time being i was getting hammered yeah getting hammered for like Mm. just practically not knowing what you were doing yeah well people are going to make their perceptions off what they hear in the media fair play that's what everyone does yeah exactly until i was able to speak and humanize it and give the facts Uh, it was and which you did and i think what what amazed me and a testament to you but what made you want to come back after that mm. what made you want to come back and play again because four years out like in anything of any craft mm. it's a long it's time difficult to come back in yeah. and come back in at the highest level mm. and you do uh, i would love you to speak about how you ended up at storm mm. because it's a pretty unique story in itself yeah, it's pretty cool um so you get like what first off two questions to that what made you want to come back mm. and then the journey to getting into storm so i remember a couple of key moments i uh, picked up craig bellamy's book and a plane back to thailand like it wasn't a tell-all, but it was gave me a good little bit of perspective. And the time was coming. Uh, they just won the premiership, and I was like, George, this is what I want to do. Who's my manager? Um, I was like, you know, give him the same reasons that I explained to you. I was also trying to, like, find my entry point back to Australia. Yeah. That ran in, conjunct- in parallel with, like, F45 and that whole, that whole journey. But I was just like, I'm going to contact him. I don't want you to contact him because it's just going to be same old, like a manager, blah, blah, blah. So I actually wrote him a letter 
No way. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's pretty old crazy. school, though. Yes, old school. I thought that's the way to approach Craig. So in the letter, I just detailed um, who I am, gave him the total ins and outs, full honesty of everything that happened, who I am as a person, and what I believe I can bring to the club. And then two days later, he doesn't have an email address. Um, Wait, or, so how big was this letter? Like, because that's a lot like, to compile. Yeah, three it? pages. Okay, that's yeah. fair. I was going to say, you couldn't <laughs> have done that on A4. Nah, sure. nah, three pages. <laughs> and he obviously has an assistant because... Yeah, someone got back to me and was like, oh, Craig, I'd like to meet you two days later. I was like, fuck, that's really cool. Like, uh, that's a good um, insight into who he is as a person. Let's catch up at a cafe. So we caught up down the road. It still had to be like a little bit low key then. We met up and he obviously wanted to suss me out and see if I was in good nick and was serious about what I'd said. And then that was only three days after I sent the letter, but I spoke to him. And by the end of the conversation, this half an hour conversation, he goes, I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Let's do it. I've spoken to the powers that be and um, you know, we'll sort out the financials. Yeah, we'll sort out the financials, but let's do it. And I was just like, holy shit, this is the coolest thing. I did not expect that at all. I thought conversation, Maybe see what great. happens, go back and forth for a couple of months. So that like, I can't explain how, and you can, people can utilize this in any situation, in their own business environment, in their own position of employment or power amongst a group. But when someone puts faith in you like that, in a vulnerable position, wow, you're 10 feet tall, it lights a fire, and it mm. did. So, you know, I went away and instantly everything I'm doing is to be like in gratitude for, wow, you gave me this opportunity. Now, I had to speak to the CEO and the owner. They, were, they weren't as keen, um, but I was I embraced that because I was like, the moment I get in front of them and can talk to them and show them who I am, they're going to be on board, which is what happened. Yeah. But, um, yeah, what a moment. Unbelievable. Wow, man. He's like... Um... He's a go- he's the goat. He's the goat. Craig Bellamy. So Crazy. Like, is he- he's got a very he's got a very different style. Like he's he's a serious cat, but he can have a joke now. Um, they reckon it's off the back of his his grandkids. But <laughs> so he loves the banter, but he just has an aura. So when he speaks, he commands attention, and he knows he knows what he wants. He knows what his team's doing. He knows what your role is. Yeah. Just do your job. I don't know about you. This is uh, not to uh, derail us of the conversation. I don't know about you, but when I used to talk to head coaches. Like, mm. It's never an easy conversation. No, like, just it's as not. like a human point. Like they're not not weird, but mm. like intense. They're all quirky. Yeah, all. of course. And he's still got an element of that. They all do. It's like some prerequisite. As soon as you take the head coach job, you've got to be like, <laughs> you can't communicate. Yeah, it's so weird. Like I would. That's why I want to be a coach because I just reckon I could fucking change the game. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, I've been a part of, but I've been a part of an environment in elements where you just like would live and die for the coach and there is an element of that but it just the communication could yeah. be so much better it doesn't need to be awkward players want honesty Especially in that environment exactly it's, it's exactly like make or break because like, there's, there's a way to do it a lot of players define themselves by coach thinks whether you're playing mm. or not playing and there's a way to sort of handle that i think that could be done better definitely Especially through my experiences but definitely like to highlight this point of your journey this is massive because mm. you've literally gone through this absolute washing machine of like mm. um you know getting a point of your career where you're flying to then this stuff coming out and you're having a four-year suspension and mm. it's like well i'm gonna i want to come back but mm. the reality of it happening i don't know it's out mm. of my control a little bit mm. and you've created an opportunity with the arguably the best team in the nfl uh the nfl the nrl mm. and they've let you in mm. and they're like yeah we're welcome it's you. crazy and that yeah, that that to me is just surreal. But that makes me proud to be like a Melbourne Storm fan. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. That outlook of people, definitely. Um, so when you came back, I can imagine knowing you quickly in this in this podcast, you would have come back in some serious shape. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just opened the gym, so again, 
pretty crazy to look back on. Like I took all classes for the first six months. So I was up at, you know, five-ish, took the morning classes. I would go and do my weights, come back for the lunch class. I'd go and run or do some sort of footy work in the afternoon. And then I'd coach in the evening. I did that for the best part of six months, like crazy. Mm. And I come back in unbelievable nick. Unfortunately, I did my ACL two weeks in, which yeah. is, you know, such a shame, but is what it is. Um, but yeah, as you said, to give me that opportunity, um, you know, there's some tidbits around that and especially the way I embraced that injury. Yeah. It was such a emotional time and I really felt like I'd let everyone down. Like they'd given me such a great chance and what did I reward them with? Oh, sorry, I can't play for the rest of the year. So it sucked, but... My, my mentality was like, I'm going to have an impact on the team because when everyone looked at me around the club, I was smiling, I was supportive. When you see me train, I was training my ass off. I come back in near record time, which was my way of saying thank you to whoever's had supported me, physio, staff, coaches. You know, the day I did my ACL, I was in, in the medical room crying and Craig was the first person to call me and he said, mate, if you want to go around again next year, you've got a contract, so don't worry about that. Just worry about your surgery. And I was wow. just like, fuck, it's crazy. What a, what a guy. Yeah, unbelievable. And then, yeah, just been an unbelievable ride and had some had some ups and downs within that. Um, to debut after six years and however many days, you know, in a, in a small room with, as you said, the brotherhood and you got your mates I'd known for a little bit, but you know, a lot of a lot of my mates and the boys in tears, and just a crazy moment. And then, yeah, to share, share the field, be a storm player, yeah. number one nine five, like stuff I'll never forget. And it, it's the the things that I've taken and the things that are now instilled in me will set me up for the rest of my life. That culture, I apply that to any business or experience. It's going to be worth its weight in gold. Yeah, because like, what do you think it is that's so unique about their culture, like? Because we mm. hear about it, but mm. like, what does it actually mean in the in the context of like why it's? Existing? It's a lot of things, and it's built on foundations, years and years of just getting things right and having some of the same players and support staff involved. But it's just built on accountability, um, buy into a set system and structure. Like you've got to cut. You come in and you either buy in. You know your role. You honour your role, or you're going to stand out, and you ultimately you're not going to last here. So. Yeah. To have such a strong foundation and a, sh a strong value and mission in, hey, this is what we do here. This is how we do it. You either get on board or you get out. Like that's that's ruthless. But you have to be ruthless with your system, with your values, with your roles. Like that has to be that has to sit over the top of anything, and nothing can affect that. No player, no yeah. person, no event. Yeah, that stays rock solid. And then you're accountable to the players, to the coaches. Accountability to your playing group is another level. There's one thing being accountable to your coaches who work their ass off, mind you, which is on another level to, I think, most sporting organizations. Yeah. And every time you train and play, you're doing it for them as well, which yeah. is sits amongst that. But accountable to the playing group where they're so programmed into being, I guess, hanging the hat on effort that if you're not putting effort in or you're not trying or you're not doing everything possible to be the best person you can be, then your mate's going to be looking at you going... What are you doing? Yeah. So when you get that accountability That's from your awesome. peers and your playing group, another level. Yeah, holds another level. And then um, just the respect about where the club's been, where the club's going, and what you want to achieve. Only a premiership is deemed as success. That's awesome. You know what I mean? So you couple all that together um, with the foundation of who's come before you and the platform they've laid, and then you're just a part of something that is just a constant 
churn of every day you turn up, give your best effort, and we all go on this journey together and can win premierships. Mate, it's a beautiful journey. Very it's a cool. Beautiful story, bro. Mm. Like because- I wish that for everyone. Yeah. When I talk about culture, whether I talk and I did a talk the other week to an accounting firm and I was like, I just had to take a second. It wasn't emotional. I was like, Fuck, I, just, I want you guys to experience this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want that for everyone. Yeah. I want people to feel comfortable, but I also people like the biggest thing I explained when I was at other clubs, it's like, you know, when you're that, that nerdy guy in school or whatever, and you're trying really hard and you're doing everything possible and everyone's like, you're a loser, whatever. That's how it is at other clubs. If you're doing extras, if you're doing extra video, if you're asking questions, if your diet's on point, whatever, you're like, oh, you're the odd one out. You might cop a bit of banter or whatever. When you're at the storm, if you're not doing that, you're the odd one out. You're going to get hammered. Yeah. So that like, that that culture, that it just breeds success. Like yeah. everyone's, it's elite, you know what I mean? And you can do that in any setting. People just need to drop their ego, their insecurities, have honest conversations and everyone buy into, hey, what are we trying to do here? I'm trying to be the best I can be. The company's trying to be the best it can be. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's have open lines of communication and let's fucking do it. Yeah, it's it's amazing right, when you speak about that because obviously there's that human element that makes it so good. But mm. even like the players, like the quality of players that come in, they don't come in like the whole player. Nah. But they leave the whole player yeah. all the time. Mm. And like arguably some of the best players play for Storm. Mm. They probably didn't come in with that credibility nah, no or way. platform. That None they of them did now. actually. Yeah, which is amazing, right? Mm. And and I think that probably when you talk about like accounting firms and other businesses, when the right culture's there, mm. everyone gets better at, you know, their end product of what 100%. they're doing. Um, so speaking, just to highlight some of this journey, obviously it's filled with a story of, of hard work and like, you know, you've you've absolutely hustled through your childhood. You've got yeah. to taste the NRL. You've gone through this washing machine. You've come back in and you've experienced a premiership and a great culture and club mm. and then start to build I guess, a bit of a passion in business. Mm. It's like adversity, acceptance, growth, everything. But have you had a chance to kind of like reflect and appreciate like what you've been through? Is that Yeah, that- I mean, I do. But moments like this are really good for that. I don't know if I'll ever truly reflect because it's a, it's a positive and a negative because I don't probably embrace moments and reflect the way I should because I'm always thinking about what's next and I've already got, another one, two, ten goals that I'm chasing, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, that's definitely a good thing because it's dri- it, I'm driven and it gives me purpose. Yeah. But at the other end, I'm like, I probably could work on just taking a moment and being like, how cool is that? But things like this it's give nice, you those huh? moments and it's nice to reflect. And as I said, ultimately, everyone's journey is going to be different and none is more insignificant than the others. Right. I've been in my own journey in the storm. I've been around the best players in my position you're celebrating guys that have at the absolute top, like they break a record every week. Now that's not your path, but you've got to understand and have the self-awareness and just be realistic about, okay, well, this is where I'm at, but hey, I've gone through some epic shit in my life that's going to set me up on my own path. And I'm super proud of that. So everyone needs to acknowledge that. And um, no mistake, no failure, no accomplishment is any less than the others. It's just individual to you. So embrace it and use that to ultimately keep you going on the right path. Right. Beautifully said, Oil, <laughs> mate. That's a brought a tear to my eye. But no, that's, that's powerful stuff, bro. Um, I am going to wrap up now, but I do want to, you know, thank you for coming on nah, your story. Honestly, I, I really do admire your story, bro, from the heart. Like, Thanks, it's bro. Fucking, I it. like being an athlete, knowing what you went through, and coming back more so than coming back to me is like truly amazing. Um, yeah, so very. I was always very keen to hear your story, man. So really appreciate you coming on. 
the fight, I do want to plug it. You're yeah. fighting Justin Hodges yes. it next month. When is that? February mean? 12th in Townsville. So um, if you're a betting man, chuck chuck your house on me for yeah. what yeah. we want. Knock out in the second round. I don't know. Yeah, no, just a win. I'll be happy with the win. So, <laughs> so is that like a proper fight? It's like an amateur fight. Amateur so, fight so. Um, headgear, pretty solid gloves. I've done some couple of sparring now. There's some damage to be done. I can yeah, tell you, you got that. got a shiner on your right eye there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did. Mate, the other day I was sparring this lad. He's about 120. So that's the thing. Footy. In footy, 98, 100 kilos. I'm just like normal weight for my position. But in boxing, now I'm a heavyweight. So, so oh, he's sparring with this, like, this Tongan bloke. He's bigger, like cut, yeah, probably yeah. a foot, like Jesus. a little bit taller than me, 120 kilos. Like, oh, yo, sweet. Oh, here we go. Yeah. But yeah, it was good fun. But yeah, that's sort of where you sit. But I'm enjoying the process. I'm loving it. So I just want to go up there, um, really pay respect to the sport and my coaches. Yeah. So I'm just focusing on, um, of course I'd love to finish it, but, um, just focusing on good technique, putting on a good performance and, um, the cash ain't too bad either. Yeah. Right. So, but, <laughs> plug. Um, so wait, how many rounds is it? Three twos. Three twos. So you got to go, got to go. Yeah. I'm going right. to, you got to come in there and start fast, punch first, punch last, all get the it. rest of it, get, get the volume up. But mate, it's amazing. I feel like I'm fit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no fitness like boxing. Thanks again for coming on, brother. Awesome. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.